Super Bowl champion. Iverson steps over to Ron Lewis. him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. From Lancaster to Levittown, Allentown to Hokessin, Philly sports is a way of life, and we've got you covered. This is the Dell Valley Sports Pod. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday night in the Eagles fall playing some really bad football. Uh, that was not good. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for taking a listen. It is Dell Valley Sports Spot, episode number 28. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still sick, but this time mentally, after having to watch that game in person on Sunday. Mm. Uh, Dan, I don't know about your view from the couch, but being in the stadium felt really good early. And then just slowly, but surely, the the thrill of being in the stadium and watching our beloved Eagles slipped away into absolute disdain almost. Yeah, I actually didn't get to watch too much of it on the couch because I slowly slipped down into the floor until I melted away. But <laughs> yeah, it wasn't much better for me either, I guess. Did Jillian have to scoop you up off the off the uh off the carpet with a spatula like a yeah, cartoon? Mopped me up and threw me upstairs. Yeah. It was bad. It was, a, it was really awful. It didn't even start bad. It's one of the few games that actually started well. It, it really did. Good, which, <laughs> would, which was surprising enough in itself, you know? Yeah, and, and everybody in the stadium was locked and loaded uh, after seeing them go down the field twice in a row, and we'll get into it. They don't punch it in, but it was good to see them at least come out fast because that hasn't always been the case. Mm. That was good. They can't punch it in. That has been the case uh, uh, this year. They well, seem... well. I I would say they were on a crazy streak actually before they, this they, game. That, they that, were. I would say it's fair to say that is old news. They were on a. I don't have the numbers in front of me, of course, but I think it's twelve for twelve. Twelve for twelve, which is complete insanity. Like that is not sustainable. Obviously, no. twelve for twelve. That is incredible. And not only were they twelve for twelve. But the the fact that it was a issue for them and they resolved that issue to the tune of 12 for 12, hats off to him. That's remarkable. Having said all of that, shit, they really needed one of those first drives <laughs> to be a touchdown. They were not going to win this game one field goal at a time. No. Uh, if, if, they, if they go up 10, 10 nothing, 14 nothing, even just 10. I, that game is yeah. is completely different, but I mean they held them to I think it was negative six yards in the first quarter. Uh, I'm sitting, I'm looking at the people around me. I'm like, is this is this happening? Are we are we doing NFC Championship game all over again? And because it looked that way, the Eagles defense forced was a two three and outs. Yeah, two three and outs, and they went straight down the field. Third two twelve play drives. And I think what I was getting at with what had been the trend was them not being able to punch it in on the first drive. Yeah. Uh, so that 12 for 12, as you said, unsustainable, but great to see. Unfortunately, we didn't get any of that. So I don't know where you want to start. Um, you know, the Eagles force 
two three and outs to start the game and then give up six consecutive touchdowns on every drive thereafter until the Eagles kneeled out the clock. Yeah, we can just start at the beginning because there is a lot to get to and there is a lot to talk about. In some ways, there's a lot. In some ways, there's not much at all. I guess it depends how you look at it. But, um, yeah, I is as awful as the defense was, I thought it was a big screw you by the offense to score, get two field goals. I mean, literally, it would have it would have been more valuable if one of those drives was just a touchdown and the other was not even a field goal. You still would add more points than two field goals. You drive down the whole field, you can't get the job done. And in some ways, I don't know. Maybe this is a little bit too too deep, but in some ways I felt like they were just far between play calling and everything. I felt like they were far too comfortable with settling for field goals. Not that they should have gone for it on a fourth and mid to fourth and long, but maybe the plays leading up to that could have been more run heavy or, hey, we're willing to gain just a couple yards because we know we need to end this ultimately in a touchdown. I just – they – I wouldn't say as a whole they weren't aggressive in that game, but I feel like they could have, they got to get a touchdown on one of those first couple drives because eventually that offense, what's more sustainable? Um, you continuing to try to score or your defense shutting them down to, to the point where they have no first downs and no yards. Like we know that that offense is eventually going to get moving. And the 49ers offense is very much like, I would say, and they're not so much a, one big play offense they're uh they're a train they build steam they build momentum and then they just freaking go and we watched it for three quarters the other day but it's gonna happen eventually shout out to the defense for starting strong now let's get points and take a lead while we can so that we force them and we talked about this in the last pod the the way that you would beat this team is you force them to start to have to really rely on brock purdy and trying to play a little bit of catch up. And it's a shame because we put him in that spot earlier in the game, or we had the chance to, and we just, we just, we couldn't follow through with our swing there. And, um, and man, we allowed them to get comfortable in that offense. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, the analogy to baseball come comes to mind where you got bases loaded. Bryce Harper hits it to the top of the wall, makes it, makes a great swing, but, doesn't quite put it out and they only score one run instead of four you know you 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 don't have that many opportunities against a team who's clearly this good there there may have been some doubt earlier in the season about how good the Niners were because they lost three games in a row what to the one of them to the Browns inexplicably but as as I heard with uh Eric no not is it Eric Armstead um they're he's their all pro left tackle right or um, no, yeah, Trent, sorry. Formal, uh, Trent, um, Trent Williams, Trent Williams. I did former the same coach. thing during the game for whatever reason yesterday. Yeah. Formal, uh, former Washington Eric, football Eric, team player. Eric Armstead's on the defense. Correct. Uh, Trent, Trent Williams. I heard the stat when Trent Williams and Debo both play, they're undefeated this year. The three games they lost were the games that both of those players missed. Yeah. Uh, Trent Williams is by all accounts, a top five tackle in the league. Maybe even, to the top one based he on who you ask. And he's he's kind of old too. He's kind of getting he, up there. Yeah. And he still looks pretty damn good. I would I think he and Lane Johnson are right around the same age. Uh and I mean they're they're both still playing at the top of their games. But you can see and this was we kind of touched on it last week. This was what I was afraid of was just 
that offense and the amount of weapons they have going against our lack of playmakers and enforcers on the defense. And we saw it. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you even want to do a thumbs down? Because you could either do it to the whole team or I think there's a single consensus for for the for the defense. Yeah, I, I there's three guys that really stuck out to me. By the way, Trent Williams, 35 years old. That's pretty amazing to be a left tackle, 35 and still questionably the best at your position. It's really amazing. Yeah. Especially Jason, left tackle. Yeah. Jason Peters was like 38 when he left the Eagles, and he was still good, but nowhere near as yeah. good as, as Trent Williams is right now. And pretty heavy. I feel like he was pretty heavy decline around this around the 35, 36 age, but yeah, Lane Johnson's 33 years old. So yeah, a little, little bit older than Lane and, and just as good, if not better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we should still do a thumbs down just so I can go to town on somebody, but please, please do. All right. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll let somebody hear it. We'll get out of our frustrations. Yeah, no, I, I think you made a good point. I think you just used the word enforcer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was an interesting game. It really made me realize the combination of lack of enforcers on our defense combined with all of the different enforcers on their defense made me realize, wow, we don't have a guy that's just going to lay the wood and set a tone. Um, we have really good leadership on that defense, but we I, I don't know that I ever realized this fully until this game. We do not have a big hit stick guy on this defense no. that comes to mind for me. Honestly, if, if I had to think of one guy on our team that's a little bit of a hit stick guy, it's probably Sidney Brown, who's a rookie who's not very good right now. He's I'm going to give him his props on. I know this is, seems like a little thing, but on special teams and and punt uh, punt team, he's been awesome stayed in the punt team was actually probably the best thing about that game by the way the it was punter, who i don't even know our punter's name if i'm being Bra- Braden man Braden man he was outstanding oh he, he had great punts. one i think was inside the 10 he kind of went for a little bit of the old school uh coffin corner style punt um but sydney brown's containment on them uh, he's really good and he's a very physical player just not very good in coverage the the mental aspects of the game. He has a lot of growing to do, but I digress. Um, who on this defense is laying the wood blank and shit makes a lot of tackles, but he's not, a, he's not a big hitter type tackler. He's just everywhere. Morrow. No one is a real big hit stick guy. And sometimes you do need that tone setter because that 49ers offense was running around confident. And if anything, they were laying the wood Depot Samuel. Nobody wanted to tackle that guy when he got ahead of steam. Nobody wanted to mess with that guy. Um, and then on the 49ers side of the ball defensively, I tell you what, we'll talk about uh, Dre Greenlaw. That dude is a big hit stick. He's a hit stick machine. Oh, he yeah. plays vicious. And I wouldn't use the word dirty player with him. I would more so lean towards a uh, vicious, extremely physical player that sometimes results in some dirty calls or some dirty plays. Fred Warner. Physical, vicious. Um, and, and there were some other guys in that secondary, too. I can't remember who laid the hit on uh, Swift. That was questionable. But, man, they were – I hate to, to say anything like they were so much more physical than us. But, man. They, 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 they were, dude. They were. <laughs> they were vicious out there. And I didn't see, I don't think, a single tackle on our side of the ball where we were vicious or anything like that. No. 
Yeah, Sidney Brown is absolutely flying around the field whenever he gets an opportunity, sometimes to his own detriment, mm-hmm. where he gets out of position in coverage. But that's he's a first-year player. We can't expect him to be a safety who's good in coverage, especially against skilled players like this. Um, now, it's funny you mentioned the punter, and it, it's sad that I can say this, but one of the things that did stand out from actually being at the game that you don't get to see on TV was just how good his trajectory on his punts were. I mean, they were like perfect missiles, and you could just tell it's like, oh, that's going directly towards the sideline. Yeah. And again, it's sad that that was one of the the big takeaways that I could see actually being positive for the Eagles was how good Bradman punted the ball. (laughs) We haven't punted (laughs) that much this year. For F's sake. Yeah. It's just, I just, I just like going down the first two drives, it felt like everything was clicking so well. Everyone was getting in on the ball. And then maybe they just, they finally got tired. Well, I think I think it's part of that. But once they got behind, they were they were completely out of their element in the fact that they well the one they couldn't run the ball because that's how good the uh Niners defense line was playing. And and linebackers. That, yeah, those yeah. linebackers made it tough. But that, that that video you sent me earlier, there's a play in was that the second quarter where they're only rushing four but they have seven guys in pass protection and Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts has no one to throw it to. And on the all 22 covers, all you see is just four guys standing at the top of the screen, yeah. basically 15 to 20 yards down the field, watching Jalen Hurts. I couldn't tell where the receivers were because they were out of the screen, but yeah. it, it felt like that. Like they needed to have extra guys to block that on that defensive line. Hurts had plenty of time in the world, but nobody to throw to. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on. It felt like they were, a, at least several plays when I was watching the all 22 where all of the routes were deep routes. They were just so far down the field. And if those guys aren't open or Hertz doesn't pull the trigger at the point at which you have to throw that ball, excuse me. Um, okay. Now what, <laughs> now what do I do? I didn't throw the deep ball. Now I just have three receivers that are 30 yards down the field. And I, uh, eventually these guys are going to get to me, you know? So I don't, and I don't know, especially on the play I showed you, two receivers that were kind of both somewhat close to each other on the right side of the field, and nobody else that ha- that can't possibly be what that play was supposed to be. Someone must have messed up on that play. There's no way that it, that it would draw that up. I have to believe that. Um, and again, we could be talking a little bit about a Dallas Goddard effect here. We could yes. be talking a little bit yes. about – maybe why we see more Kenneth Gainwell than we think we should. You know what I mean? Because the two tight ends stayed in the block and a running back stayed in the block. Surely, surely at least one of them, if not two of those guys are eventually supposed to trail out as a, as a short option, you know, as the receivers that went deep may have drawn and they did the defense back. So I do think that it is more than just scheme and play calls. I do think that there's errors that we just don't know it's hard to get down to the bottom exactly what's going on without knowing the play call, obviously. But man, I tell you what, their their uh, coaches look better than our coaches because the 49ers offensive scheme was, oh, oh my god, it was so good. It they just played us. They that was a, ma- a master's class. 
they just played us. They they had so many mesh concepts where they just put like three wide receivers or three receivers on one side, and they all just ran different routes uh, in slightly different directions. And then Purdy would just throw to the one that was the one receiver that would be wide open because of whoever broke their assignment or, or covered the wrong guy on that given play. Brock Purdy had a great game, and I, I you're probably not going to like this comment from me. You're probably going to give Brock Purdy more props than me. Brock Purdy was throwing two freaking wide open receivers and running backs. And I, and there was some progression, like on those mesh plays, he does have to look and see who is the open. He has to, obviously it is not easy. He still has to make decisions, but man, there's a lot of just staring down a receiver and waiting for him to get wide open off of Morrow breaking an assignment or off of Ellis or whoever it may be, and then just throwing a pass to a how many passes did they catch that were wide open receivers? My goodness. Well, not 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 only that, they had almost like 230 yards after catch. He wasn't throwing dimes down the field. He was just throwing crossing routes and and little check down plays and letting Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle and McCaffrey take the rest of it because he didn't have to throw it down the field. And honestly, like I, yeah, I think Brock Purdy is a decent quarterback, but he in no way beat you this, this game. It wasn't him. It was our mistakes and not being able to make tackles or, or cover guys who are five to 10 yards downfield. Now, now I wanted to get to this. So thank you for bringing it up. The mismatch on both sides of the play calling was so evident. And it makes sense when you break it down. Kyle Shanahan is, by most accounts, one of the best play callers in the NFL, if not the best. Maybe the best offensive yeah. play caller. And, and you you saw how many different wrinkles they went with motion. I mean, Debo's doing like horseshoes around Purdy in the backfield. They're they're getting the Eagles off their spot. Pre, it's uh, a perfect pre-snap. marriage. It's a perfect marriage of coach play calling and personnel. And we talked yes. about this on the last spot, but it's really yes. the versatility is off the charts. Yeah. It was, it was very evident. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's just cheat code, but Brian Johnson, first year play caller in the NFL. Now you look at the other side of the ball. Steve Wilkes was at one point, a head coach in the NFL for two different teams has been a defensive coordinator in the NFL since 2017 going up against Sean Desai, another first-year defensive coordinator. Our coaches are young and inexperienced, and I think that showed. And I really hope – now, I know you and I are just some guys who who talk about it uh, on on the internet sometimes. But I really hope that when the team gets down to watching film, they can break down and figure out exactly what went wrong and how to fix it with the players they have. Now that is adding Shaq Leonard. We'll talk to that. We'll talk about that maybe a little in a little bit. But they need to figure out how to make this work with who they have because there's nobody else to come out of the sky. Trade deadline's over. No one else is getting released. There's no free agent linebackers just waiting at home to get a call, to my knowledge. And if there are, they're no better than any of the guys we have because or else they would have been picked up already. What do you what do you think about the Shaq Leonard thing? Well, while we're while we're on it, well, let me let's. Res- I want to respond to your first okay. thing first. Go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> um, that's the scary. That's probably the actual the scariest thing about this loss is that 
is this something that we can just learn from and that we can find a scheme for that works and make adjustments to, or is this a personnel problem? Because if this is a personnel problem, who's to say that we'll beat these guys? And if it's a personnel problem, how can we, we can't change that to your point. If it's a Morrow, Ricks, Ellis personnel, we don't have any linebackers, then okay. What scheme is going to work if you don't have anyone on the team that can cover Debo Samuel or McCaffrey or George Kittle? You know, that's why this this is such a now I think our offense can do so much better against this team. I really do believe that. Um, and I think part of the reason why we obviously the way the, the game played out, it put us in a difficult spot offensively. And, and you know, the second half very quickly went very poorly. Um, but defensively, you, obviously, you'd like to think you can do a lot better and let up less than freaking 42 points or whatever it was. But it's one it's one thing that we have to change our scheme. And it's another that we have to change our players and it's week, whatever. Or what is it? 14 or what have you. And man, they got dominated. They I, I don't know. When when is Bayard gonna start being that guy? When when is someone it's pretty late in the season to hope that someone is gonna start? I mean, obviously Cunningham is hurt and didn't play in this game. So we have Cunningham who didn't play, which is something. We'll get into the uh, Shaq, Shaq Leonard thing here, but that's kind of scary if that's like our hero for us not to lose by 20 points to the Niners. Yeah, uh, having Zach Cunningham come back is not in, uh, instilling any confidence in me that he's going to be the magic switch that makes them good in the middle of the field. Yeah, Bayard, at this point in the season, I feel like we have a read on him and who he is, and he's not quite the all-pro that he used to be. He, he's definitely a, an upgrade from from who they were throwing out there, but he's not uh, – I mean, he's he's old. He's on, on the latter half of his career. Reed Blankenship's in his second year. He's young. He's he's still figuring out how to play in the NFL. I mean, he, yeah. he's at, uh, athletic. He's athletic as hell. But the Reed Blankenship touchdown, the one where they did the play action rollout, and he just had no awareness of the guy behind him, drove me a little bit nuts. Uh, yeah. They were pr probably from like the five yard line. It also drove me nuts because you can't tell if Byard is yelling anything, but man, Byard, Reed behind what Reed Reed Reed. Like it doesn't seem like he's saying anything because it seemed like Byard was also processing it late. But I don't know, man. You're blank and chip. You're in the end zone. You look and that guy's covered. You look. You have a linebacker spotting the quarterback. Okay, just look. Look. You there's almost always a guy that kind of wraps around the back. Just ah, uh, I think that I hope that'll come with Reed. You know the the mental side of the game. Um, ah, that was. So frustrating though. And he, he still has plays. He has a play. It feels like he has a one or two of those kind of plays a game as he's trying to kind of find his way or whatever. And hopefully he just continues to grow, but sorry, I had to go on that tangent. That was a frustrating touchdown pass to watch too easy, too easy. There are a lot of plays that just seem too easy. Yeah. And man, miss talk about not even not, not laying any big hits up. Just like not making any tackles. Bad tackling, too, just in general, not bringing guys down. Yeah. I don't Shit. know if it was bad. I don't know if it was bad fundamentals or if they're just tired after the crazy stretch that they've had to play going up on the against the Chiefs on the road, then coming home. 
playing the Bills in an overtime game that where they played 150 plays and or the, or the defense played 95 plays in that game. Yeah. It's, it's Dad, a, a combination of a lot of things. Dad made a good point that they did get uh, a little bit screwed over a little bit, uh, a little bit of a disadvantage as far as the schedule goes. I think with all of these three games, including the third one being this one coming up is that they, I, I think the chiefs had, a bye week. I think the same bye week as them, but I think yes. they might have had an. I don't know. So they had they went in that game going against seeing that lot of rest, and then there was like a ten day rest period for the uh, Niners going into that game because I think they had their bye week, and now the Cowboys I think also have like a ten day rest period, right? Because they played on Thursday, so not not making any excuses for that abysmal performance, but they. It doesn't help, obviously, that they're going up against a bunch of really well-rested teams to their um, the game every seven days or so. Yeah. yeah, and I heard that argument a lot from people, and frankly, to me, it doesn't hold any water. They're saying, oh, the Eagles played three games in 13 days. Well, any, any three consecutive games in the NFL is three games in 15 days. So that's an extra two days over the course of two weeks is – is minim- well, I think, minimal. I think it holds some in the sense that, hey, could a guy like Cunningham have played if he got three more days or what? You know what I mean? It does. As far as guys, even if it's not just like fatigue, as far as guys maybe could have Goddard have played, you know, so I, I think there is something to it in terms of guys being at healthy enough to play or at least a, maybe closer to 100 percent as opposed to like a 80, 85 or whatever. But like I said, I mean it's it's a moot point. We didn't lose this game because of something like that. It's no, it is. But no, it, 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 it's very interesting to note the Eagles would be playing two two teams coming off of a ten day ten day layoff, having both played on the thanks or the uh, Thursday prior. Uh, so yeah, I mean that this game makes the upcoming one against the Dallas extremely important on many fronts. But uh, yeah, before, I mean, before we get away to it, do you do you have anything you'd like to mention about Shaq Leonard? Uh, Shaq Leonard, um, honestly, Shaq Leonard is kind of a a very kind of a very sad story. Um, just an absolute superstar in the league uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, absolute stud, and then he just had some real significant injuries pile up. I think in the last year. He actually had two back surgeries. I think the second one was like a correction from the first one. Just really big injuries that I guess haven't been career ending, but could make it so that he's never the same again. And the Colts were not playing him because he hasn't been playing good and because the other guys on the team are better. So there's another linebacker on that team. That's objectively like a really good linebacker. But then I guess they had a game where that guy was hurt. I forget his name, something I think Alexander, I I forget his name, but that guy got hurt. So it was like, okay, cool. Shaq Leonard time. And then they ended up starting some guy they drafted like a couple years ago. I think he actually wasn't drafted. I think it was like an undrafted guy from a couple years ago. And then Shaq Leonard was like, what, what the hell? And they're like, we love you so much, but you kind of stink. <laughs> He's just slow. And it's, I've been listening to a lot of cold stuff today just to figure out if there's any weird reason why 
they released him, if maybe there is some hope that he is still really good. And it's sad because Colts fans love this guy. They love him so much that it is, it's sad for all of them. It seems to watch him go because he is the heart of the defense. He's an absolute leader. He's, he's been a stud for them. Awesome player, easy to root for, but it, uh, it seems like he's just lost a couple of steps. He's not as fast. Um, and as far as it relates to the past defense and, and covering guys, it sounds like that's not really his strong suit. So he's probably not going to be a guy that's going to be able to fix some of our problems on that side of things. Um, however, obviously, the, the other side of this is why not? Right. I mean, why not? I would I'll take a washed up Shaq Leonard over Christian Ellis. That is for damn sure. Uh, and no offense to Ellis. He he was put in a bad spot. I is this is is he a rookie? Is this his first year even? I but, think it's the second year. Second man. Let me let me, I, let me yeah. try and let me look that up. Let's take a shot now. If if while Cunningham's out, if it's like a Mara's still the number one guy and he's a number two or whatever, I can get that, but yeah, let's try it. Why not? Apparently, he's he's more of a uh, better in like the run defense side of things. Not great in pass coverage, so I don't know how high the ceiling is for this. But um, yeah, I guess I hang my hat on why not. Let's give it a shot. It, like you said, there's it's not really like there's anybody else that we can pick up to help with the depleted linebacker core right now. I mean, we're down two linebackers, so there is a reason why there's guys like Christian Ellis on the field, but. Yeah, why not? But I mean, even Nicobe Dean wasn't playing that good in the beginning of the season. So the yeah, loss of it's, him, I, it's funny that still the, another the grass is greener thing, right? I mean, Nicobe yeah. Dean wasn't playing great, but you feel probably better about Nicobe. Like you would much rather have him than Ellis and maybe Morrow, at least for pass defense purposes. Yeah, Christian Ellis is, uh, it's his second year, second year player. He looked lost, Colin. He did. Stiff, stiff. And then the dude, he was just getting destroyed so bad from play actions. So bad. He would run in, and then when he realized it was a pass, now his receiver is five yards past him. I feel like he got burned so bad on play actions, then he started getting destroyed on run plays because he had to like make sure it was a run. So he didn't, It was bad, Colin. It was really bad. <laughs> well, he uh. Christian Ellis and Nick Morrow make our linebackers over the last three to four years look like absolute studs. DJ Edwards and Kaiser White, please come back. Uh, I mean, was saying the Alex, Alex Singleton. Oh yeah, Sorry? he's a Bronco right now. Yeah, I mean that that guy was he was great. He was a decent player, Canadian football league guy, right? Absolutely, yeah. The the, the flying the flying uh, the lettuce on that guy almost the as lettuce. good as almost as good as yours. You. Oh. Uh, for those of you who've never seen Dan in person, for those of you who've never seen Dan in person, my man has some incredible lettuce hanging out the back of his hat. You got some lettuce. Now, do he you does. remember the linebackers on our team when we won the Super Bowl? Uh, Camus Grugé Hill was one of them. Um, uh, why? Why is the some of the names are escaping me? And if you if you have them in front of me and say them, I'm going to be mad. No. I have to look. Uh, I actually I heard him earlier today, and I, I should have wrote him down. But I'm talking. I don't know if Gruger Hill was 
I don't know who was healthy and who wasn't. I, I'm going to try to look. He was, he was definitely on that team. Uh, oh, man. I'm, I should know this. I was like so – in. well, we were all invested in that team, but I felt like I knew every player and their backups that year. Um, God, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm blanking. I can't think of the depth chart that year. Nigel Bradham. That's uh, I knew there was a B. Bradham. Kudra Hill was on that team, yeah. You know who else was on that team who actually was a pretty uh, solid backer is uh, oh. Jordan Hicks. Yeah. He, well, he, he was probably our best linebacker, and then he went to Arizona. Yeah. And now number, he, number 58. he might be with Minnesota now. I think he is, yeah. Number 58, Jordan Hicks. Yeah, yeah. Our linebacker. Barry, that guy wasn't very Oh, my good. God. White Snake. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I also saw one other name that has is such a – I don't Nate even know if fucking Gary. Do you remember this guy, um, Trev, Trayvon Hester? Yeah, he was – he had the uh, he had the block in, yeah. against the Bears on the field goal. The double doink, yeah. yeah when yeah. everyone thought it was just like a missed kick, he got a, and he got a pinky on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on his... were, were we? Uh, I was at Tuskus for that game. Were you, yeah, were you in I that think, game. I yeah. think we both were. Yeah. 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 The, the double doink. That was that was a Trayvon Hester. Oh my was, god! I remember in like the post game, it was like, yeah, people didn't realize I got a. I swear I got a hand on that thing. I got a pinky on. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about Trayvon Hester was that play. Yeah, me too. <laughs> what a legend. Oh, my my viewpoint on Shaq Leonard is uh he can't be any worse than what we saw on the field last week. I'll tell you that much. I know he's 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 Kevin Byer type, he's over the hill, he's not quite the player he used to be, and probably not even close at this point, but I don't think having another warm body out there who knows how to play the linebacker position is going to make us any worse. But on the same token, I don't I don't think we can expect that he's going to come in here and look like a Jordan Hicks look uh, looked like, you know, he, he's he's just going to he's going to be another player. And I, I hope he provides an upgrade in that Christian Ellis doesn't have to be out there. And then when Zach Cunningham comes back, he and uh, he and Cunningham can can maybe split time if he's looking good enough, you know, there, there's there's not going to be another linebacker who's just waiting to get picked up by a team all those players are are done or playing at this point so mm-hmm. he's the only thing out there for howie to go pick up and he did it he did his due diligence and now it's going to be on the players yeah i th- i think you have the chance that you can get a guy that's like a a veteran high iq been there done that physically not going to be able to do the stuff that he used to be able to do used to be uh, wreak havoc out there but I don't know. Hopefully you get a, another guy in the building that's a, a good culture guy and, and like I said, a good kind of IQ guy that can help everybody else out. They need that at that position, you know. Yeah, they, they need Marvel, somebody. Cunningham and Ellis. They, I mean, they are lacking that, so we'll see. Worth a shot. Yeah, they're, they're just going to have to figure out some way to make it work with the players that they have now. Uh, if if by chance they go up against the 49ers again, hopefully they can scheme up some way to get the best out of their players because whatever they were doing last Sunday was not working. 
Yeah, and, and I do I do think there's reason to believe that this side can. Uh, I know I was very pessimistic just 10 minutes ago when I was basically saying there's no hope. We don't have the personnel to beat this team. A little bit emotional, but a little bit uh, real reality as well, I would say. However, uh, I felt better after listening to Desai's presser. Um, I, I don't even know if it was after the game. It might have been today. I listened to it today. And he was kind of talking about how he he um, he put a lot of it on him. And he's was talking about how he made adjustments too late and how he, he just tried to move to things a little bit too late. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't get to watch the film uh, four quarters of the film. I kind of got through about three quarters. Um, it looked like just kind of more so from watching it live than the film, because in the film, it looked like they tried to mostly do zone and kind of rely on um, the pass rush from just four guys for the most part, uh, maybe the occasional fifth guy or blitz in there. But it seemed like towards the end of the game. Uh, they were just like, screw it. We can't cover these guys. The zone's not working. We're just going to like blitz a guy every play and hope that we can hold up for the first four to four seconds and that we can just get a sack. And they just weren't getting to the quarterback quick enough. And then they were just, it felt like uh, the 49ers were throwing it to whoever number 39 Ricks was on. It felt like they were like, okay, look, all right, 39's there. Okay, ready? And they pass it to him. Every single time it felt like in the second half, but well, Bradbury wasn't targeted at all as the primary, uh, which I thought was dependent. hilarious. I thought that was hilarious. Maybe that was st- strategy by the forty because of all the smack that Debo was talking yeah, about him, talking so much smack to Bradbury, and then maybe we were like, "Oh shoot, they're going to come after Bradbury," and then they don't throw it to him a single time. That's genius. That's honestly genius. <laughs> it's That's either reverse. Level. Reverse psychology or just the the utter direct that the rest of the secondary and linebackers were that they didn't need to go after him. And I didn't think I didn't think Slay was that bad. I, I looked like he was mostly lined up against Ayuk. I don't know if he followed him, but it, it seemed like every time I saw Slay, he was up against Ayuk. And I thought Slay had a fine game. I, obviously, Ayuk had a handful of catches. Um, on a lot of those catches, Slay was kind of giving him a lot of space. He was, it was kind of seemed like he was preventing more of the deep route. Um, but I thought Slay had a fine game. Obviously, Bradbury, he, he bothers me a little bit. He's not very physical as far as tackling. And, you know, when there was a run play or an open field tackle would be made, he's just not really that guy that's going to step up and be physical necessarily. I give credit to Slay. I feel like I see Slay out there making tackles quite a bit, but it is what it is. They they really went after our safeties and our linebackers, and that's kind of what we were uh, thinking they might do. I will say this, and I'm curious um, what you think. And listen, the 49ers wiped the floor with us. All, all the credit in the world to them. Two things, two two topics we got to talk about. I feel like one kind of. I don't think this is a big loser energy kind of hilarious how serious or not how serious, how much this game meant to them to the point of like, it's almost like they thought if they won by enough points that it would somehow rewrite history and they would win the game from last year. Like they cared. It is crazy how in their head still that game is. They could have won by 60 points this weekend. You still lost last year. 
Don't don't you think that was kind of crazy? Yeah. Whatever happened this weekend is not going to change what happened last last uh, winter in the NFC Championship game by any means. Maybe maybe they got a little bit of uh, recompense for it, and they they feel good. They certainly feel good about themselves now. But I yeah, it, nothing it feels, gonna, nothing's going to change until they do it again in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, it feels like they're like, see, we told you. Yeah, told us what you still lost that game. Yeah, right. This, yeah, it's, it, they they wear all black. They run onto the field. They talk smack like. It doesn't change the fact that you lost because you couldn't block because so therefore your quarterback it's like they're they're acting like we did something like we cheated them or something, you know. It's just I thought that was just kind of big loser energy, but it is what it is. What is your take on the uh Greenlaw Dom situation? I thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> um well in the stadium it was really freaking annoying because it was like it almost felt like a 10-minute delay of the game in real time just standing there. We're like, what the hell is going on? Everybody in the stands, Niners, Niners fans, Eagles fans, we're like, well, clearly we can saw we saw the scuffle and we knew Green, Greenlaw was going to get thrown out of the game. But then it took another five minutes for them to get big Dom's fat ass off the field. He's just yeah. he's walking down the sideline and they waited until he was all the way at the locker room to, to start playing again. And uh, I, I mean... Big Dom is is as great of a personality who is not anything associated with on-field play as, as we as Eagles fans could ask for, but he shouldn't have been in that situation. I get it. <laughs> no. he, he's the director of, of uh, security. But he, if you're not a player or a coach, you should not be directly on the sideline when it, when it comes Dude. to like a, an off-the-field skirmish. I'll tell you this. I watched. I didn't even expect to like see this in the all 22. It just happened. And I saw it. He was basically on the field when it was before it was happening. Like he was, you know how there's like the real thick white part of the field that's out of bounds. It's probably yeah, like yeah. two, two and a half feet long. He was standing in that area. He looked like a fan basically. It was a very bad look. It looked way worse on the all 22 than when you're watching it live. Because to me, when you're watching it live, it looked like, oh, he's a guy that stands on the sideline next to Nick Sirianni. And then his, one of the players just got body slammed into the ground. And then he went and did like security thing, got in between the two people. But when you watch the all 22, he's kind of like watching the play. He's on that thick white line. He's kind of like saying stuff. He looks like a fan. And at, yeah, I was like, okay. Dom, what the hell are you doing, buddy? You should. They're not going to let him come even close to the field uh, or not. I don't know if he'll be on the field, but he definitely won't be that close to no. the no. field. He's going to be very far off the stripe in games upcoming. Stripe. Yeah, <laughs> that was now. And also, I will say the body slam looked really, really bad live. I don't know how I played at the stadium. It didn't look as cheap or dirty. Still cheap, dirty play. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. I, for some reason, live, it looked way more out of bounds when he did it. And when I watched the film, I was like, okay, that's a penalty. I, mean, I also still can't believe Greenwell like, basically swung at him. That was kind of crazy, too. But, yeah, that was a – I don't think that was a great look for anyone involved. No, no. and I, that, that's the kind of thing that, that is, is difficult – in the stadium is seeing the details of a play like that, especially 
I mean, we had we had 200 level seats up in the corner, and that was on the far sideline. So we were nowhere even close to the play. We could see what happened, but you know, that's that's one of those where you get a way better view and detail of what happened watching on TV because you get the replays and and seeing it up close and personal with the cameras. But it, you know, you you can't you can't ever be mad about being at a game in person because especially the atmosphere that is Lincoln Financial Field, it just sucks having spent a fair amount of money and then seeing that be the result. So yeah. it was, it was a little unfortunate. Now, real, real quickly, uh, my last thing on the Niners is um, I, I think it is so incumbent on the Eagles now to get the number one seed one, because they're going to need rest and are need to gonna be as healthy as possible going into their two playoff games. And two, I give them next to no shot of beating the Niners on the road. Mm. That's just my feeling. I, I, I can see them beating him at home and finding a way to game plan and, and get around them. But if they have to go to San Francisco to win the NFC championship game, after what I saw on Sunday, I have little to no confidence of that happening. Yeah. I guess my take was almost like, hey, if it goes this poorly at home, how much worse could it be on the road? You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's an absolutely ter- terrible thing to think about. But you're not wrong. It couldn't yeah, get. I mean, it couldn't have gotten to. any worse. I have one more big lose. This this is a big loser energy comment for me, and I'll hit me with it. that. Okay. This is such big loser energy. I don't even want to say it, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to, I'm, but I just need you to know that it's big loser energy. Okay. Yeah. Um, now it would be tough if we do. Well, likely we would see them in the playoffs. If we do see them in the playoffs and we went into that game going, ah, we won the last two. There's no way we're going to beat them three out of three times. So at least now we don't have to worry about the the percentages and the statistics that they put up. How it's never happened or has only happened yada 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 times. Whatever, whatever. Now we go in. We just got wiped. Okay, so we can't be cocky or have a big head going into it. Nobody's going to be talking going into that game. They're going to be. They're going to shut up. They're going to watch the damn film, and you're not going to have to worry about any of that stuff. I don't know. I think Debo Samuel is still going to talk shit. No, I, I'm talking about as... the Eagles. Talking about oh, the Philadelphia. Eagles. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. Well, none of none of the Eagles ever like raised their voice and said anything. It no, was that's all... not true. That's not true. Uh, who, who who was who Hassan was talking... Reddick for one? Really? I didn't hear this. Yep. This is uh, news. Very to me. beginning of the week, he was talking about all their boohoo in last year and all that stuff. Yeah, there was some talking. Oh, okay. And then all Nick right. Sirianni, his his message for the week. He his ah man. His message for the week was kind of about that 49ers talking kind of thing. I it, it played into the whole drama. I forget exactly what the message was. It was pretty public. I can't remember what it was, but it again it, it, from yeah, everything it, I was hearing, like at least the way that people were talking about the Eagles was that they're not giving the Niners any bit of bulletin board material. Now like responding to the Niners being outwardly uh, critical and crybaby-ish about last year is one thing, but they definitely didn't like talk smack. They now they they. If, I mean, you're I, saying I, that a team's boohoo, and that's 
that's smack talk. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not quite like Debo Samuel saying that James Bradbury is straight up trash. And no, then when but, gets when gets asked about it again, he's like, I don't regret anything I said. Yeah, but we're now we're just comparing one person's smack talk to another person's smack talk. It's still talk. It's still talk on both sides. You know what I mean? Like right. they're, they're still entertaining it to some degree. On yeah, the they're, they're giving they're giving a validation by by acknowledging that it exists. Yeah. Yeah, now, right. I will say <laughs> Fletcher Cox was not talking. And then they asked him, did you see the Fletcher Cox interview after the game? I did he not know. They yeah. asked him one question about the talking and stuff. And, and he cursed and he said something like, I didn't not word for word here. It's really good, though. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Maybe we could even pop it in here. I don't know. But um, he said, I didn't. I didn't effing say anything. I never say anything. I've been doing this for 12 years and I never talk. I, I don't play those games. I go, to, I go, we play football. I, there's no reason to talk. It was just like a real veteran. Like I'm not a child type response. I don't engage. And it made me think like, yeah, I guess that's true. Fletcher Cox really doesn't ever get in, has never really gotten any of that. He said, she said type of stuff. And he was like really pissed that they entertained the fact that he would or, or would care about that stuff. He, he just felt very much like I'm a grown adult around children and I'm freaking tired of it. <laughs> I'm gonna let the TikTok gen- I'm gonna let the TikTok generation talk smack on each other. I'm just gonna <laughs> shut I'm gonna shut up and play my game. It was awesome. It was really great. All right. I'm I'm gonna have to listen to that. Those of you out there listening, you should listen to that. Those of you who are out there listening, uh, if you haven't yet or or have and want to do so, feel free to hit us on the hotline. The Dell Valley Sports Pod voicemail is uh, up and coming. I don't, I don't know if we had any bitch and complaints uh, this this week, but if you would like to uh, get get in, get your opinions on the Dallas game, or if you would like to react to the Dallas game before we talk next Tuesday, the number to reach us is 412-444-8710. On that note, Dan, shall we get into our thumbs up, thumbs down? I would just say, speaking of 10 real quick. Okay. Oh, dot, 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 dot. Mr. What Deshaun Jackson. did you wear to the game there, Colin? Mr. Deshaun Jackson, one of one. He was in, he was in the building. They were pretty hype. I wish we had a better game to uh, to send the man out on as retiring as a Philadelphia Eagle. Fuck you, Chip Kelly. If it weren't for you, he'd be the leading receiver in Eagles history. I'm never going to get over it. It's fine. Shout out to Sean Jackson and one of the greatest Eagles comebacks, if not the greatest Eagle comeback in Philadelphia Eagles sports history. It's got to be the greatest, at least to this to this point. Maybe there's another one down the road, but to this point, the miracle at the Meadowlands number two. Yeah, it's uh, it's up there. Well, they always say the sequel's better. Sometimes. Not always, though. Like I've never I've never seen Sandlot (laughs) 2. But apparently Sandlot 2 is pretty good. It's, there's no way it's uh it's, Sandlot 1 is like top 5 sports all, all movie of all time we were talking about here. <laughs> the Great Bambino, the Sultan of Swan. Uh well, actually one last thing and may, maybe this is just reading into stats too much, but looking at the box score there's one thing that concerns me and we can talk about this as the in the Eagles as a whole, but the long singular rush for the week end was seven yards by Jalen Hurts. Mm. 
Swift had six carries for 13 yards with a long of four. Yeah. Whereas the last two games, uh, you'd seen him break one for at least 25 in each game, and that seemed to throw a spark into the offense. That didn't happen. Um, the Eagles also gave up the more than 130 rushing yards for the third straight game. That is also concerning. Yeah, that's very concerning. The first the last week against the Bills, a little fluky overtime game. Josh Allen was their leading rusher, but McCaffrey blitzed them. Even Elijah Mitchell, who only got three carries, he had a first down on like his first run. It, it was it, it's concern, it's concerning. Yeah, missed a lot of tackles. Both the the linemen, Reddick. I thought Hassan Reddick lacked discipline on a lot of. Um, fancy reverse or fake reverse. So, you know, they do a lot of movement and stuff and a lot of messing around in the backfield with Debo and McCaffrey and, and everybody. And man, I, just like a real lack of discipline by guys that you would expect to be the veterans on the team with a little bit more discipline. Yeah, man. That I think it was the Debo Samuel run where I can't remember if it was a uh, reversed, uh, I can't remember if the running back got it moving the one direction before Debo got it, but Debo gets it, comes rounding uh, to the right side, to the near side, and, oh, my gosh, Reddick was just completely fooled, thought the ball was going the other way, and then Debo Samuel continues to run upfield like, I think I sent this one to you, like 25, 30 yards with a really – Really piss poor effort and bring him down at the end of the play, and he ends up getting in the end zone. I think that was given to the running back, and I think that's why Hassan Reddick was chasing so hard that way. But you're just thinking, like, there's no way you are going to catch the running back. You don't really benefit, and then you know you, you gotta you gotta stay figure home. he's got to contain home. and stay home. Be be disciplined there, right? I mean, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They, they they were just there. I feel like the defense was trying to press and, and make a big play. Yeah. And be, given given the situation of the game that they were in, where they were they were down and they clearly needed to make a big stop. And that probably was just another one of those plays. So. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Let's do it. Dan, I want to hear you shred some people. Thumbs down to you first. Thumbs down. Ooh, <laughs> who do I go with? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm just gonna. I I kind of already got into a little bit. There's a number of guys that I could say here. Um, but we're gonna go with you know we're going with Ricks. Ricks number thirty nine is awful, and I I hate to do it because I think he's a young guy. I don't even know if he was he might have been undrafted. I don't know, he's, but he's man, un, 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 undrafted Alabama this year, he is freaking horrible. And I don't I didn't see any one thing that he did well. He he can't cover. He can cover, and then he was covering um what's his first name? Juwan 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 Jennings. Juwan Jennings. Who'd have thought Juwan Jennings would have such a freaking great game against us juan jennings he catches the ball and then he can't 
tackle Juwan Jennings. So he busts through Ricks, breaks a tackle, and then runs in the end zone for a touchdown. And I didn't see a lot of Ricks in the first half. It felt like Ricks was on the field more in the second half as maybe part of an adjustment to get a little bit less of Ellis on the field. Also saw a lot more Sidney Brown on the field in the second half, probably for the same reason. But man, and that's why I get a little bit nervous is because clearly he's trying out different personnel and none of it worked. But Eli Ricks, and and this is not new. We've seen him in the past, and there's a reason. We, I think he's on the field a lot less because he's been really bad this year. He's he's troublesome, man. He is really he is really bad. Can't tackle. Can't cover. What are we doing? What are we doing? I I think uh, with all the praise that we've given to Howie Roseman throughout. Uh, the history and tenure of him being in the in the GM position. Uh, clearly, our defense is not as deep or skilled as some have been in the past. And um, again, part of that comes with having to pay a quarterback, which they had to do this year and haven't had to do since they got rid of Carson Wentz. That's certainly part of it. But you got to think they can come up with somebody better in the secondary than Eli Ricks. I would agree with you. Everybody knows, right? That's that's kind of a common philosophy that people know about from Ro- Howie in this Eagles is that they just don't have a ton of value on the linebacker position. And I guess in recent history, I'd say safety position. Well, just this past year, really, it felt like there was a lot of, hey, let's get Gardner Johnson back or like, how are we going to replace this guy? And it kind of felt like, ah, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out. And well, so we're, far, we're, the we're answer here. They haven't that figured it out. is undrafted guys and washed up veterans, question mark, that are ban- feel a lot like band-aids that aren't holding, you know? Um, Howie's wonderful, but that, I think, the, especially that linebacker position, and I know Ricks is, is secondary. He's, he's kind of came in for the nickel, but sim- somewhat similar responsibilities in terms of what they were trying to get done yesterday. But, yeah, I... It's caught up with us in this game, that's for sure. Who you got? Um, I'm doubling down. Mr. Nick Morrow, Nick Morrow, all you bring me is sorrow. <laughs> Come on, I'm, Nick! Damn. I, I'm going back-to-back back on this guy. I'm doubling down. <laughs> if I never see Nick number 41 in an Eagles jersey again, I'll be fine with it. <laughs> Except, just kidding, we, we're going to need somebody back there. Yeah. Who's, uh, he's, I guess he's better than Ellis. Um, the number that stood out to me, and I'm sure it was all over everybody's social media, especially mine, was his stats as the primary uh, defender. He was targeted on eight throws, allowed six catches, uh, two touchdowns for 175 yards. 151 of those were after the catch. Which means that he was chasing the whole time. And when he did try to make a tackle, he was unable to. No, he missed tackles too. I mean, yeah, the the, the long Debo ta- uh, touchdown was that the to go up twenty one. I think it was. I mean, he had a chance to wrap him up. He just completely whiffed, and then Debo takes it straight up the gut for another forty five yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he he's out of position on seemingly every play. When you go back and watch the film, whenever he's he's lined up against somebody coming across the middle, he, he doesn't seem to be in the right position. He might be a good run-stuffing linebacker, but in terms of coverage, he is the utmost liability. 
And uh, I really, really, really hope that uh, Shaq Leonard can can put him more as a depth piece because Cunningham and Leonard uh, sounds way better than Morrow and Ellis. Mor- Morrow and Ellis sounds like a soap opera. Yeah. Or not quite Ebert and Roper. Like a Monday to Friday, 12 yeah. to 12.30. Like talk show or something. Yeah. Let's go to Morrow and Ellis. They should be talking about the Eagles because they clearly can't play for them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I I bet Morrow was exhausted during and after that game because they ran him all around that field, and I think he was in there for every single play just about. I, I think he was in there every he's play. He's probably still exhausted because I think his ears are ringing from everybody talking smack on him all week, and uh, rightfully so. Yeah, but the the thing is, too, there, there's absolutely, at least before Shaq Leonard, even when you go nickel, he was in there as the one linebacker, and there, there's absolutely no no one to spell him or no one to replace him. I, I don't think it can be under uh, over, overlooked, I should say, in the loss of uh, Avante Maddox and then also Zach McPherson, mm-hmm. who got injured in the preseason. To those me, it's are your, man. Mm. Having having one of those guys to be the nickel corner, the, the the third corner on the field, I feel would be a major upgrade over Ricks, Josh Job, Sidney Brown, whoever whoever they're throwing out there to, to cover these other guys. That's it's two of your your guys who were you were relying on to be depth pieces who are not there, and it's starting to rear its ugly head. It just felt like there were so few contested passes. So an incredible, incredible. Like every pass, it felt like it was either quarterback had to maybe get rid of it because he was under pressure, which happened more so in the very first couple drives, or just wide open guys. Yeah, just so few contested passes. It felt like Slay was in on a couple, but if you look on the other side, Charverius Ward was locking down A.J. Brown. And I was going to mention this earlier. On the two drives where uh, the Eagles were doing well at the beginning of the game, it seemed like they were trying to force that back shoulder fade mm-hmm. route, and Charvarius Ward was just not falling forward at all. He was he was there in a great position, locked down A.G. Brown for at least those those uh, few plays. And it's just an, an, another instance of the Eagles needing to figure out a more creative way to get the ball <laughs> into the hands of their pass catchers in the red zone how about this brother we hey, had hey. we had one pass deflection no and it was they the had, defensive line right jordan davis <laughs> yeah. they had 11 oh my god now wow. i'm not saying that's the end all be all stat no. but i do think that this is means something that's pretty damn eye-opening <laughs> 11 to one yeah yeah they and passed that, that, it 27 times I mean, we did pass at 45, but still, it's still significant. Yeah, absolutely. Mariota. All right. Even though they got absolutely blown out, we should still give a thumbs up to somebody on the team. Would you like to go first? Yeah. Um, Actually, I I do feel like there's a couple candidates here. I'm going to go Lane Johnson. Uh, They covered it pretty well in the broadcast, but uh, who knows what percentage he is, if he's 100 or not. Probably not quite 100. Really uh, good pass rusher in Bosa, and I thought he had a pretty good game. Obviously, he didn't 
outright win every single time. But I thought, at least as far as the pass pass rush went, he um he was pretty good for especially for a guy that was out last Sunday due to injury. So I, I was impressed by him to be able to come back and really step it up um, despite most likely not being a hundred percent. There was one play I was very, he is so impressive and and he lost this particular, the block on this particular play, but there was one play. I think it was the only spin move. I saw Bosa do all game. He very clearly surprised lane with this spin move. I think he went outside and then Bosa did a spin move inside and lane Johnson just did not see it coming at all. But instead of just letting Bosa go crush the quarterback, Lane Johnson actually spun in the opposite direction. <laughs> Did you see this play? I didn't. He spun in it... the opposite direction, and he didn't get like a full block on him, but he got enough back on Bosa and got in his face enough that he didn't get like a free shot on the quarterback. I think Hurts ended up throwing the ball away. But I thought it was – pretty incredible athleticism by Lane Johnson, the ginormous right tackle to be able to respond in that way. And, and a quick, quick witted play, if anything, to just like save, save the sack there. But um, yeah, I'm going to go Lane Johnson. I, I, I love that pick. That was the guy who I was going to go to. Um, <laughs> I, I felt he had the best game of, of the offensive lineman and, Again, you, we we could give it to the same people every week. You give it to to Kelsey for being the best center in the NFL. Hurts because he always plays his ass off and is a great quarterback. Yeah, AJ, good, did, I honestly think Hurts had a decent game. I did too. Um, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to be a little unique, maybe off the grid here, but I'm gonna go Quez Watkins. Hmm. It was it was it was nice to actually see him get in there and make some catches, uh, having been out for a very long period of time. And I, I heard uh, Mike Quick say this over the radio that they play while you're walking around the concourse. And uh, it mentioned it. It was like, it was nice to see Quez Watkins get involved in the offense, make some some good good catches. And, you know, it, if it comes down to, you know, them getting in a shootout, they're going to need more than, more than just A.J. and Devontae to have not, – not, not an outstanding game, but at least be a factor. He had three catches for 28 yards. And if he can, if he can do that in a playoff game where it matters, where that will maybe get them one crucial first down. I just, I thought it was good that he was, he was in there. He caught three of his four targets. Again, I'm just, I'm kind of going a little bit off the grid here, but it, it was nice to see him get back in the fold. And when they threw it to him, he was able to make those possessions matter. Hmm. So, yeah, I still I'd like to see him make a big, strong catch um, on one of those deep balls because he is the speedster and we need him to. That's something we need from him. We need him to be able to make that deep to show that he can track a ball or to show that he can track and make a, a catch um, with like a safety yeah. on him or around him. I'm I'm kind of hoping that that this week was a springboard in that it showed that he's he's back fully healthy. Hertz can trust him when throwing to him, and that he may be able to take one over the top and mm. uh, alle- alleviate and create some space underneath to uh, to get some some plays back in, in maybe in the flat or as a check down route when needed uh, if, if if and when Dallas Goddard comes back, which 
seems like this week. And uh, maybe that might be a good transition into talking about what will be an absolutely epic and important matchup when the Eagles go down to Jerry World this wow. Sunday night. Sunday night football in Dallas, week 14. If, if That's this three game, weeks in a row. Everyone's tuning in to us. Damn, damn sure of it. Uh, it's going to be four weeks in a row. Because, uh, well, oh, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. The, the next week, they, well, I'm, I'm talking about the week after they play against the Giants on Christmas. Oh. No. I guess I meant more the, the, the Chiefs up in the game in general. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, all just really juicy, juicy games. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, I, I did get that wrong. Um, Seahawks. Yeah, because they play the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, well, uh, next Monday. Well, yeah, no. So it is. It's it's the it's gonna be the well the third standalone game. This will be the first of three. They go Sunday night, Monday night, and then another uh, Monday on Christmas. They play back to back Monday games. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they will be in prime time, if you will, the next three games straight. But I would say this one is the most important of such. Oh yeah. Because if if you beat if you beat the Cowboys this weekend, you're almost almost assured of the NFC East based on the Eagles schedule from there on out. Even if they lose to the Cardinals or the uh, the Seahawks, excuse me, they should be able to beat the Giants twice and the Cardinals in yeah. theory. In theory. Uh we've all we've all seen other things happen and it's the NFL, anybody can beat anybody, yada yada. But I would say this is now their most important game of the season, um, given how successful they had been in the gauntlet leading up to it. Yeah, combined with the fact that the Cowboys still have to play um, at least one or two pretty difficult teams that they they have to play the Lions for sure. Lions and Bills. Yes. Yeah. So the, oh. the Cowboys, I believe, have the toughest schedule at least of like the nfc contenders from here on out and i also heard a stat uh as far as strength of schedule coming in or going into this coming week i think the niners was uh around 560 the eagles was around 490 and the cowboys was 370 so a bigger number meaning more difficult that uh yes that, that was their the record of the teams they played so like a 571 win percentage i think was the uh, win percentage. um per- percentage for the the niners i think the eagles it was like around a 490 win percentage of opponents and the cowboys uh, opponent win percentage was 371 sorry i wasn't very clear with those numbers um but yeah the cowboy given that and and um who they have to play yet the cowboys have the toughest schedule from here on out which yeah. bodes well for the Eagles, but they need to they need to get it done this Sunday. Uh, that would that would alleviate a lot of the concern that we have after last weekend. Now, on the other side, if they lose, it might be full blown panic mode in uh, in Eagleville. Yeah, I, I think either if they lose or they obviously if they lose in any kind of fashion that would be similar to this last 49ers game. It's it's one thing to lose. It's another to lose like they did this past Sunday. So 
I'm not saying that I want a close loss. I want to win. But um, this last Sunday was a very unfamiliar watch, a very unfamiliar feeling where they just didn't really show up at all. Uh, and they got absolutely destroyed. Um, when you're 10 and 2, you don't really see that too often, if ever. This is a tough game. I, I've been hearing some crazy stats about Dallas at this stadium. Ha- their record at home has been off the charts. If I they're like fifteen or something wins in a row at home, which is so, insane. Um, I don't know if that's the exact number, but it's it's in that ballpark, I believe. It's I would say now feels like a great time to end that streak. Fuck yeah, it would be. I think we're gonna win this game. I do too. I and like last week, I I think we both put out the sugar coating like. Eh, go Eagles. And then we yeah. actually came down to brass sacks. Like, I don't think either of us feel good about this game. And yeah. we were right. We weren't happy about being right, but we were. So also we're right about the AJ Brown game, by the way. At least we have one positive thought. Uh, I think we, I think we said, I'm, I can't remember if I said touchdown or not, but that uh, it was going to be a big AJ Brown game. Oh, this past weekend. Yeah. Eh, you weren't wrong. He he did he did catch his one fourteen yards. He did come back after having you. Yes, you know what? Now now I remember. You said they're like AJ Brown was sleepy the last two weeks. Expect to have a big game out of him. You know what? I didn't well I didn't bet it. Probably should. Yeah, he matches up well against them, and I think that he. It's similar. I think our receivers match up well against uh, the Dallas secondary. I think the Dallas well, secondary is a little bit opportunistic. Uh, are you speaking of one Deron Bland? Deron Bland, the scumbag who who beat our record. Yeah, but did you see his his stats from last week? Yeah, it's you know this is you know what this resembles. This is like the conversation we had was a year or two ago with Stephon Diggs. Or not? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Not Trayvon Stephon Diggs. Trayvon yeah, Diggs. Where it's like, is Trayvon Diggs good? Question mark because he gets all these interceptions but nobody lets up more yards. So yeah. I do wonder if it's just the way that they coach over there. Is, is that their scheme? Seriously. Yeah. I, I mean, what are the chances that they would have? Be, because yes, his stats are crazy. He's, he let up. I mean, if do you have the exact stats for how we did last week, uh, no, I'm working on getting them up right now, but this is the same thing that happened. I, I think I want to say it was last year. They were, you know, Trayvon Diggs. I think led the league in interceptions or was very close to it. They wanted him for votes for like defensive player of the year, what have you. But then people's counter to that was, dude, look how many yards he lets up. He lets up so many yards. So I do think that it might just be the way that Dan Quinn and that Cowboys uh, defense is schemed up. I think they're just, they prefer the guys to be opportunistic like that. Yeah, it, it definitely seems that way, that they're either a feast or famine when it comes to the cornerback position. They're either making an interception or they're giving up a touchdown, which not not a way, uh, not really the way you want to play. Okay, um, yeah, because they, they that was an absolute barn burner against the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football. Yeah. remember watching Flag Fest. I, f- I mean, I feel it was almost a week ago, so we kind of forgot about it, but absolute Flag Fest. Mm-hmm. I have his fir- first half stats. Uh he was targeted six times, allowing five catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. And I believe it ended up being almost 200 yards and two touchdowns by the end of the night. <laughs> so, you know, how, how does a guy have eight interceptions 
in a season and then I'll and give up two 200 yards and two touchdowns in one yeah. game. They That's did pretty... it before. They'll do it again, I guess. And not only does he have eight interceptions, but he has what? He has a record now with five pick sixes. I think it's five. Yeah, yeah. And with room to spare. Don't, doesn't need an asterisk by that, even though there's a, an extra game in the season these days. Doesn't need the asterisk by that. No, no. He, he did that. In, well, I think I was by week 10. He had his fifth uh, pick six. And I will so, say, Stephon Gilmore on the other side of the field, I'm surprised. He he looks like he actually still has some left in the tank. Yeah. He'd be a little bit washed, but he still looks like he's a pretty uh, – actually, I think that was part of their answer to Deron Bland struggling so much against the Seahawks. It looked like he was doing a lot of DK Matt coverage or lack thereof. And uh, and then I think they started getting Gilmore over there a little bit more on him and um, had a little better success against those Seahawks. Yeah, so – uh, let it, let us hope that that trend continues from the Cowboys secondary against our one-two punch. That would be it would be really good to see. Uh, frankly, they need to bounce back in the biggest way after this embarrassing loss. So, Dan, would you like to make a prediction on the score for next week's game? And and yeah. maybe maybe player to watch a little player prediction. What you got? Anything? Yeah, yeah. I think that one theme that we've subtly seen with the Eagles this year is that when a a player or either running the ball in general or passing the ball in general goes cold for a, a week or two, they seem to really hammer it home. Um, it doesn't seem to be those kind of things. Haven't um, been uh, patterns that have stuck out for more than two or three weeks. They seem to, to either go to the other side of things or to really focus the player. I don't know what, if it's just like coincidence or if they're like, okay, this is, we're going to get some AJ Brown this week, or we're going to get Smith back involved this week. I don't know how they go about it, but it seems to play out that way. And what that's leading me to say is that I'm predicting that they are going to go, hey, run game. Let's go. Let's get that run game back on. So as much as I do like some matchups in the secondary, between the stats here, the offensive line is getting healthy. Maybe we get a Dallas Goddard back in there. Um, it's looking like that, looking like that. Yeah, looks looks like he's trying to play this weekend. I was looking for the injury report, but those don't come out until Wednesday's practice. So Nothing as of yet, but it was it was uh, slated at the end of last week that well he was he returned to practice finally, but he was going to be doubtful and then likely mm -hmm. to return this weekend. So yeah, how about DeAndre? So my player that I was getting at is DeAndre Swift, but my question I guess would be, did he sustain any actual injury from that play at the end of the game, or was that just like a I just got rocked? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go chill for a minute. Um, I, I didn't see that exact play. I think that was probably while I was on my way out to the car. Okay. Um, but I haven't heard anything. I, I, I didn't see or hear anything after the game. And so I'm assuming they were just like, yeah, this game's over. Just, just keep yourself healthy. Let's go get them next week. I think the biggest concern just by looking at it would be like, did he have a concussion? It sounds like that's not being said. So I would. Yeah, I, we, I feel like we would have heard something by now if that was the case. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Andre Swift game. I, I think that this is a game where they're going to try to run the ball a little bit more, a lot more, actually. Um, just because they they haven't had as much success lately. They They need to do a better job at running the ball and they need to just focus on these sustained drives to keep away from this Dallas offense that has been very proficient. So the best way to stop an offense is to not let them on the field. 
Let's get that run game going a little bit and work through that. When this offense is at its absolute best, it starts with the line. It starts with the the run game, and then they build off of that. Um, that's when they can start running all those other concepts and those RPOs and those their version of trickery plays and such. So my prediction is DeAndre Swift is going to have um, – Let's give them shoot. This is a big number. I feel like for the Eagles, but let's give, we'll give them 12 carries, three catches and a total of between receiving yards and rushing yards. Definitely a hundred yard game. Eagles are going to win this one. Um, and Hertz is also going to look really great. Uh, you, you can never do the swift touchdown because the tush push takes away so many touchdowns. So we'll stay away from that, but we'll go hundred plus total yards for swift and we'll go Eagles get the win in Dallas in Jerry World with Shaq Leonard. Uh, 20, 31 Eagles, 21 Dallas. 31-21. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, my, my prediction for this game is Jalen Hurts is going to ball the F out. We all we all know how resolute he is. How I think I think we we saw, you know how how much it affected him losing the Super Bowl with the you know, the whole screensaver and whatnot, and him him keeping receipts and and using motivation uh, whenever it is given to him. And I think after last week, now he didn't have a bad game, but I, I think he's gonna have a personal vendetta to whoop some ass. And he's going to come out like a man on fire. So whatever Jalen Hurts' uh, passing yards total is for this weekend, I'm going to probably take the over. Mm-hmm. I like the Eagles also scoring 31, but a little bit closer game. I think they might it might become a uh, fourth quarter back and forth. 31-27 Eagles. All right. And, uh, yeah, I think Dallas Goddard's going to – I'm saying at least five catches for Dallas. <laughs> It might be a hefty number, but they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make it they're gonna make it a point of emphasis to get him the ball. I'll say this too: I think this is a really big game for Desai because yes. we played Dallas already, and we got shredded by the two guys that we kind of thought we were gonna get shredded by. We got shredded by CD Lamb big time. Mm-hmm. I think didn't he have one eighty plus yards? Something like that, yeah. I don't think I'm. I don't think I think there's a reason why that stuck out in my mind. I think it was 180 plus yards in like nine or eleven catches, and then Ferguson also had a really good day. So this will be a big test for Desai in terms of watching that film and making adjustments. You're playing the exact same team. You got those exact same players. Let's let's see what you got, Coach. In my in my opinion, figure figure uh, it out, Coach. Yeah. Uh, Right, very, very right on, Dan. Eleven catches for one ninety-one for <laughs> CD Lamb the last time. <laughs> no touchdowns, but he he shredded you. Uh, that is that is Ferguson for sure. had at least one touchdown in that. Yes, game. he did. He was seven for ninety-one and one touchdown. There you go. So come on, coach. Let's see what you got. I think it's a big test for him. Big guy decide. Let's see what you got this weekend. Yeah, um, I, before we get out of here, I would just like to send a shout out to a couple women in my life. First off, Nenen, thank you for always listening every week. She gets to the end of every episode, and I, I know she does. She's our biggest fan. Shout out my mother for raising me an Eagles fan, and shout out Courtney for coming to the Eagles game with me, even though it was rainy, dreary, and the Eagles got their ass kicked. Shout out. Shout out. 
And uh, Dan, anything on the way out for the people? Yeah, just a classic, guys. Let's keep it easy. Let's keep it simple. Just remember, the harder you work, the luckier you get. You're damn right. Arnold Palmer said something once. The more I practice, the luckier I get. He and, knew. Uh, Arnie knew. Ar Arnie knew. He he dug his game out of the dirt like a true Pennsylvania boy would. <laughs> so, so, all right. Hey, Dan, this was a great episode. It was great talking to you as always. Tell Jillian I said hello. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And as yeah. always, go birds. Go birds. Go to the bathroom. Sit on the keister. Flush this 49ers game down the toilet. And then go set up on your couch with your popcorn, with your ice cold beer, with your Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles team gear on, and watch the Philadelphia E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles smack the Dallas Cowboys into the ground. Let's go, the Dallas Let's go. Dallas, I don't you ever forget it. Go birds. I want to run through a brick wall right now. Go birds. <laughs> <laughs>